Hello everyone and welcome to the Trauma Drama Podcast. I'm your host, Josh, and this is the prologue episode to Trauma Drama. In this episode, we're not going to be talking about trauma and definitive trauma care, uh, but we are going to be talking about EMS. EMS makes up about 90% of my Instagram following right now, and even though we are not just a site for EMS clinicians, we are a site for all healthcare clinicians that want to understand uh, definitive trauma care a little bit better. I've been in EMS for the last five years, and I want to tackle a topic in EMS, uh, a couple topics actually, that have been um, problematic staffing, uh, pay, morale, and uh, partners. I feel like partners make and break a, a day on the medic. And I would like to share my experiences and how that affected my career in EMS. I might be going on a rant at times, so I will try to touch upon every single <laughs> every single point that I'm trying to get to in this podcast. Um, but to start off, again, this is not just for EMS clinicians. However, in the very short future, after episode one is released... Uh, I do have a couple episodes planned, one of them being with two paramedic, also uh, emergency medicine physicians. Uh, one is an attending who is a medical director for a critical care transport service and uh, a large metropolitan fire department. The other one wants to be a EMS physician who is currently a PGY3 resident. I also will have two paramedics and paramedic educators come on the show uh, Ken Sanner and Mufasa Sadiq uh, who goes by Moose to talk about EMS clinical education and how it prepares clinicians for trauma and trauma medicine I'm also having a 911 telecommunicator on the show where we're going to be discussing the how the the information that they provide to the public for when a major trauma happens like a shooting and how that person can help the victim of the shooting prior to EMS arrival. Along with the two EM physicians and paramedics that I'm having on the show, they're going to be we're going to be discussing the Maryland trauma system and why that works. Uh, I'm also having another paramedic on the show who works for a city EMS agency in Maryland but their transport times to a trauma center is extended. So I think his perspective on how to manage a complex trauma patient would be interesting. This episode is gonna be talking about EMS and why a lot of providers right now think that the field of EMS sucks. I saw an interesting statistic that came out from the National Registry of EMTs with the amount of providers that reserted at the uh, EMR, EMT, advanced EMT, and paramedic levels, and it has dropped compared to what 2020 was. And that's kind of an alarming statistic, considering that the call volume is only going up and the demand for ambulances for providers is only going up in the last decade, but the resources that we have are going down we don't have we don't have nearly as much staffing <clears throat> as we need and I don't know if this is a nationwide problem or if it's just 
a problem within uh, suburban and metropolitan areas where I live. To give a little bit of background about me, I worked for a large metropolitan fire department as an EMS provider. I only did EMS. I did fire in the academy, and that's about it. Never touched the hose in this department. I really like medicine, and I really like riding the medic, and working for this large, the arguably the highest volume department in the country, I found that it was, which I no longer work for, disclaimer, uh, I find that your exposure to trauma is very high, and I really like trauma medicine. Uh, hence why I started this podcast to educate or provide resources to others about trauma education. I think medic units in my jurisdiction running 6,000, 7,000 calls a year is amazing, but also terrifying at the same time. Uh, the, the human body and brain cannot adapt to the stress, the physical stress and the emotional stress of turning around running a critically sick patient and then having to go and deal with your uh, your regular who you pick up multiple times a day uh, and taking them back to the same ER for chronic problems like ETOH or overdoses and you're expected to treat them like every other patient and that compounds to a level of stress that you can't can't explain i think this really leads to the burnout that we see in ems and especially in this jurisdiction where we're losing providers left and right we have to downgrade bls units or i'm sorry als units to bls units so they can run or just take units completely out of service uh we have engines sitting on scene for 45 minutes waiting for waiting for a transport unit. We have uh, victims of shootings and stabbings that don't survive to get to the hospital where they could be saved because there is not enough transport units to go around, so they ended up they end up expiring on scene, and it, it sucks. The communities that uh, we serve don't deserve it, and the providers don't deserve the stress. And I think that has a lot to do with community education with understanding what the 911 system is actually used for and these systems these 911 systems providing their EMS providers with the resources to uh, combat stress or to fight to prevent stress and burnout and PTSD which is not accessible everywhere I, I was uh, fortunate enough to be part of a fire department and a member of the IAFF so I had a lot of resources that I could use if I needed it but uh, third services private ambulances uh, hospital-based services they don't have that opportunity and I think it kind of sucks I think one of the best ways to address burnout is having a good partner when you spend as much time with somebody on a unit day in and day out that person becomes your family and you end up spending more time with that person than you do your actual family uh, I just this weekend I got done watching the two movies uh, end of watch which uh, 
it's about two LAPD police officers who are uh, po- uh, partners on their in their police car, and they go around fighting crime in LA. And I'm not gonna spoil it, but the brotherhood between the two is like unparamount, unparamounted. It's like just such a great partnership to have. And in the fire service, there's a movie called Ladder 49, which I also watched this weekend. Uh, I think it was recommended uh, after watching uh, End of Watch. And I think it's cool because the fire service, everybody in that ha- in that house, in that station, is uh, very close. And there's a strong family bond that forms between uh, the people on that crew. It doesn't feel like that is as strong on the medic. And a lot of it has to do with lack of permanent partners assigned to the medic if you look at the show uh night watch you have these what looks like happy perfect crews running around uh new orleans but it just it feels like they have that happy energy because they are assigned a partner and they like their partners when i was in the fire service uh, <laughs> um, well, Ladder 49, uh, that's actually based off my old jurisdiction, which I no longer work for. But when I was on, when I was on the medic, I never had a permanent partner. I would get detailed firefighters, overtime firefighters, all the, all the time assigned. And some of them were good. Some of them were bad. And the, I would walk in to the station, pick up the ambulance and look at the schedule and I would see who I'm with. And sometimes it was with a sigh and rolling my eyes, knowing that this is going to be a, a long shift. And then other times I would see certain partners that I'll know how I'll, I'll just have the time of my life. Ugh, that came out garbage. <laughs> I, I know that if I work with some partners, it'll be the best shift of my life. Um, specifically working with uh, one of my favorite firefighters, Andy, we're complete, two completely different opposite people. Um, I'm more cerebral. He's uh, more of a jock. <laughs> but uh, Andy's good people. Shout out to Andy. Uh, I'm re-recording this part of the episode because I didn't like the way it turned out, but he agreed to come on to a podcast. So it'll be Josh and Andy uh, BSing on a podcast talking about our calls and I think it'll be a really cool episode but like you know I felt like he was my permanent partner I worked with enough shifts there would be tricks where I would work four days in a row where it would just be him on the ambo and we would talk about our families we would talk about our relationships we would talk about you know trips and I felt like I had a really good bond with this guy and we we would dodge calls we would try to go sit at you know, random locations to try to get ourselves off the uh, AVL, and it was a, it was really some of the best shifts, some of the best memories I've had from the fire service were working with partners like this, and yeah, there's there's the thrill in running a trauma, but what really makes you have the thrill to do the job is a good partner. Um, but there's such a high turnover rate with EMS providers 
especially advanced life support providers, that you can't have a permanent forever partner. Um, in the book, which is my favorite book, highly suggest it, uh, A Thousand Naked Strangers, A Paramedic's Wild Ride to the Edge and Back by, I believe, Kevin Hazard. Oh, I don't have my book anymore. Well, that sucks. <laughs> um, that book was... Uh, <laughs> the book is about this... Uh, Atlanta-based paramedic at a Grady, and towards the end or the middle-ish part of the book, he uh, he's working for uh, the Grady Hospital System, and he has this uh, his forever partner. Uh, his name is Marty, and they have the time of their life. They the shenanigans, the camaraderie that they have is what I had with Andy and a couple other partners in uh, the fire department. And it makes the shift so much better. It makes the day go by faster and you leave leave work. It could be a complete mess. You could have shootings and cardiac arrests and just exhausting, exhausting days. And your day is so much better working with these guys. Um, Marty in the book ends up leaving EMS completely. He becomes burnt out. And this kind of leads into the like the final part of the book, where uh, Kevin, who's the who's telling the story, uh, he's assigned all these random uh, partners. Uh, a lot of them are new, and he becomes burnt out. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that spark with any of his partners and that leads to burnout that leads to him not being able to affect it or to practice as like an effective uh clinician on the ambulance and that really sucks i feel like having a partner you really care about makes or breaks a job even when i was working private my partner was awesome i invited him to fan or to parties we uh grabbed lunch before after work on our off days and it was like you know having a family member and i think in the fire service where divorce rates are so high it is good to have a support system that you can go to because this kind of leads into my second point with uh ptsd and not having a support system for ems clinicians um in the fire service, I was fortunate to have the IAFF, which provided all these great resources for uh, burnout and stress, uh, crisis intervention, uh, management teams, SISM teams, and it really allowed allowed one to cope with problems and talk to somebody if you need it. A lot of third service EMS agencies and volunteer private hospital agencies, they don't have those resources available. So you have all these EMS meme pages that make burnout and PTSD memes and, you know, salty medic memes. And it makes you laugh, but you're laughing in a dark humor kind of way because you don't have the it, to me it, it's almost like you don't have somebody to talk to and that's wrong when you are 
day in, day out, seeing the worst of humanity, seeing people die, the, uh, seeing people at their lowest point in their life, that takes a toll on you. And every clinician on the ambulance should have the opportunity to speak to people, which my website will have resources available on how to um, talk to somebody uh, how to deal with stress burnout and PTSD in the fire service and in EMS um, I, I think that's a, in a, a very important topic that needs to be addressed unfortunately uh, this weekend I saw an article about a private ambulance EMT I don't even know if he was any he might be an EMR I don't I don't know but he was driving a inner facility private ambulance uh, doing a non-emergency transport, he was drunk, he was high, and he crashed the ambulance, and the patient died. And why? I mean, that doesn't shame on him. However, I've also seen my own coworkers, somebody, people from my academy class, who. Uh, went through substance abuse and ended up committing suicide and these are very real very real issues that need to be addressed and unfortunately a lot of these agencies don't have don't have the resources to provide to their employees or they just don't and that sucks and this is a fire in my agency was a fire-based service so it's like we had all the resources in the world to provide, and we still had suicides and substance abuse and DUIs. And then there's this guy on a private ambulance, and it makes national headlines. And all of a sudden, that's what we were advocating for EMS kind of just goes away. We are looked at as ambulance drivers because that's what the, the headlines are. They're calling us ambulance drivers, not EMTs or paramedics. And kind of dismisses everything that we're trying to fight for as far as better pay and if we had better pay we wouldn't have people that have to work all this copious amounts of overtime just to support their family and that would prevent burnout unfortunately we i see my coworkers that are working 36 hours straight uh they get one day off they work four days, or usually the scheduling in my department was you work four days, and then you have all four days, and then every six weeks you had a guaranteed Kelly week where you could have 12 days off. But instead, you have these providers that work pretty much every single day. They will work for a month straight, and that I, I can't imagine that's good for their family lives, and it can't be good for the public that they're serving either. Exhaustion is real. People fall asleep at the wheel of the medic and they crash it, they roll over. Um, I've had an academy classmate that was on a, volu uh, a volunteer fire department ambulance and they were in a, she was in an ambulance crash. And like these are very real and serious things that impact patient care. And I would like to see equality in EMS and I think that would make it I think it would make staffing a better it would it would help improve staffing it would help improve pay and it would help improve morale and when you improve those things you also increase the likelihood of somebody getting a permanent partner 
a Marty to their Kevin, and it's allows that it allows them to stay in the field longer, do with do what they like doing longer instead of branching out and going into something like nursing or becoming a PA or a respiratory respiratory <laughs> respiratory therapist. Um, and it is, uh, people are jumping ship off of EMS for pay. And I don't know if there is a solution to help with pay, but, but definitely regulating private ambulance would be a start. Uh, private ambulances, uh, it's a wild system we have in the United States uh, the fire service were very well trained. We are all trained as firefighters. We get hazmat training. We take a state-regulated course in the state of Maryland to drive an ambulance and operate an ambulance and fire trucks. But then you have an 18-year-old fresh out of EMT school uh, that was built on the fallacy of saving lives, driving a private ambulance uh, from hospital to dialysis appointment or home to dialysis appointment and back. And they were told in EMT school that they're going to be able to save lives. Their instructors are ex-fire department um, paramedics, and they love they love this job, and they really hope that everybody can get that fi- that awesome fire department job. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are stuck working for AMR, or for example, or fla- phallic, flag, <laughs> definitely not phallic, but <laughs> flak. <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna keep that in there. I'm definitely not deleting that. That is awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, and <laughs> they are underpaid. They're overworked. The benefits that they get are just aren't great, and it sucks because this is what turns people away from wanting to do EMS. And I think EMS is the newest out of all the public safety departments such as police and fire those have been around forever and then you have ems which is new started in like the eisenhower administration in like the in the 60s and it has proliferated so much to now we are the doctors and we are the emergency rooms in the back or in a 13 foot by five foot box or however big uh, the back of an ambulance is i'm not really sure but it's pretty amazing that we can provide these capabilities to people and render the same care as a emergency room or even in some cases with critical care transports in icu and there's so much research and education that i'm excited about in ems but we there's also all these other issues in EMS that need to be addressed in order for this to be a thriving industry that it could be and that it was 50, 40 years ago. I <laughs> So I've been recording for more than 22 minutes, and I'm not really sure uh, what I touched upon and if I touched upon everything because I tend to go on rants and just like totally forget what what the main goal was um however i think that some things that can be taken out of this uh this episode is one 
if you're stressed, burnt out, depressed, have PTSD, reach out. Uh, I will provide resources on my website for EMS clinicians um, about how to deal with these things. Uh, second of all, uh, you should probably, I, I highly suggest this book, uh, A Thousand Naked Strangers. Um, that will also be linked on my website. It's one of my favorite reads, and I've listened to the audiobook. I've read it twice, and it really makes you reconnect with why you get into EMS. Um, third of all, uh, also, I just got a message from Andy. I uh, asked if it was per, uh, if I had his permission to um, <laughs> if uh, I had his permission to use his name on the podcast, and he says he would love to have me on the uh, love to be on the podcast sometime. So, uh, Andy, you're definitely we're definitely doing an episode where we're gonna bullshit and talk and talk about our experiences on the Ambo. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, that made my day. Uh, and. If you haven't seen the movies yet, definitely would uh, recommend End of Watch and Ladder 49. I think it really paints a picture of what EMS should look like when it comes to brotherhood, sisterhood in the fire service. Um, the fire departments and police departments, they really have their uh, partners' backs and... I would really like to see EMS have that same level of energy and support that those departments have, uh, especially because EMS seems like it's very backstabbing. It seems like there's a lot of backstabbing that goes on in EMS, and I I just don't understand why. Um, we see terrible, terrible things every single day, and why be miserable? Why make others miserable? You spend 12 hours with somebody in a box, and you want to be miserable? I don't get it. Um, I think that concludes this episode. Put it in your calendar now, folks. December 1st, episode 1 is dropping. And I'm going to be talking about the history of trauma medicine and how it shaped modern-day medicine or trauma medicine and emergency medicine and critical care to the systems that we have today. How EMS kind of got its forefront from that of military and trauma research that was done in the early 1900s and how yeah how the civil techniques learned in the civil war through world war the world wars kind of shape what we have now and the continuing in education and research to keep increasing the survival rates of trauma patients and decreasing mortality in critical care patients. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you for tuning in to this unplanned episode, but, uh, I'm, I was, (laughs) I'm exhausted and I hope it turned out well. So I will see you guys next time and follow me on Instagram trauma drama PC. There's an at sign at the beginning. No, there's not. Eh, whatever. And uh, trauma-drama.org. Uh, there's not much on there right now. It's a countdown. I'm reworking the whole site after um, some problems that I've had in the past uh, that I'm hoping are rectified. And we are 
closing in on 28 minutes and I'm gonna make this exactly 28 so I got six seconds five seconds oh my god okay goodbye <laughs>